If you're in your 20s or 30s, it's your building phase. You should be taking all that extra money and getting it to work for you. I see money as employees. Those are my little employees. They should go work for me. So I tell my friends all the time, don't live off your W-2, live off the profits that your W-2 money is making for you. Welcome to the House Hacking Success Podcast, where you'll learn the path to free rent and financial freedom through real estate. Featuring your hosts, Brad Labrie and Drew Klingler. What's up, everybody? It's your host, Bradley Labrie, and today I want to talk about the podcast sponsor, Rentometer. Whether you already have an established rental business or analyzing your first rental deal, you know that getting the rent right is crucial to lowering investment risk and optimizing your rental income. That's why the go-to source for rent data is Rentometer. Property investors and property managers rely on Rentometer because it is the fastest and easiest way to access quality rent data for addresses and neighborhoods anywhere in the United States. You can also research current, local comps, trends, and property data. Don't take our word for it. Rentometer analyzes over 500,000 rents per month and gets rave reviews from customers. My property manager, myself, and my clients all use Rentometer anytime we are looking to purchase a new property to know exactly what we can get for our properties. Go to rentometer.com today to get your seven-day free trial and save up to 60%. Grow your rental business smarter with Rentometer. What's up, everybody? Real quick before we start the show. If you go down to the description or the show notes for this podcast episode, there's a link and that's going to send you to a page that you can download our free ebook on. This ebook is really good. Brad wrote it and it covers everything that you need to know about house hacking in a very structured order so you can put all the pieces together. All right, enjoy the show. Welcome back to House Hacking Success. Today we have Jonathan Seller. Jonathan, thank you for coming on the show for us. Excited to be here, guys. So the majority of our podcasts revolve around house hacking and just real estate in general. And and John, you have a story with that as well with Airbnb and your primary residence and all that. But the reason why we brought you on is you're an incredibly fascinating individual and you focus primarily on becoming work optional. You focus a lot on cryptocurrency and what that's doing. You love disruptors in, in all industries. We can go into some of that in real estate. We talked about it a little bit before the show. But for those that are unfamiliar with your story, kind of catch us up to uh, kind of the origins and to where you are now. So I was working full-time in Christian ministry, which for those that are outside the church, basically I worked at a church full-time. They paid me to do music and lead music on the weekends, and that was great. Single guy, had plenty of time in the evenings. So I did what a lot of people did, which is Google, how do I make money online? I don't want to exchange uh, more of my time for money, but if there was a way to somehow make passive income, that seemed to be like the word I kept seeing, and I was like, passive income, what a joke, that's not possible. And uh, so I Googled it, found a bunch of get-rich-quick schemes, fumbled through all those, And then I stumbled across affiliate marketing. Basically, the idea was, and this was like probably seven years ago, where if I created content that could get people's attention and they were interested enough to click the link to learn more, that there were these things called cookies that could be tracked on their computer and those cookies would produce a lot of money in my back pocket. So I was like, I got to figure out how to get people's attention and then convert that to sales. So I thought, okay, what do I, what am I going to sell online? And at the time, the mattress industry, I thought would be a really good space because it was being disrupted. Instead of going to Art Van or your local mattress store and have to deal with the sales guy and all that, you could buy a mattress online and it came to your house in a box. Maybe you 
you've, you've seen this. And I was like, oh, that's going to be popular. And I was like, I'm going to contact every mattress in a box company that I know. So I did. First company I reached out to is called Purple Mattress. You may have heard of them. I said, and guys, this is the thing for your listeners. If you're waiting for the script, if you're waiting for the step three, three steps to success, you just have to figure it out. You Sometimes you just got to contact people. They're real human beings that are decision makers and talk to them about how you're going to create value for their company. And so that's what I did. I just said, hey, guys, I'm raring to go. I'm going to buy your mattress. I'm going to brag about how amazing it is if I like it. But you got to give me a kickback if I get attention on my videos. And they said, sure. Have you ever heard of affiliate marketing? That's all it is. Here's our here's your unique URL code. Well, I basically turned that unique URL code into multiple six figures that hit my mailbox every quarter. And then I took the success I did from that and called up a bunch of other mattress companies, created a YouTube channel called The Mattress Guy, which is silly now that I look back on it. (laughs) I used to get made fun of from friends. I would take all the free mattresses they'd send me. I'd sell them on Craigslist for like 50% off what they were retailing for. And that started me in my whole like, oh my goodness, the internet is going to change everything. And there really is ways to make income online. And to this day, those stupid videos of me testing mattresses still pay me in my mailbox every month. Now, obviously the sales are way smaller, but like I still make like 400 to a thousand bucks a month just from videos that literally were made like five years ago. And so that made me go, okay, maybe I should figure out how to take on clients. Maybe I could do digital marketing. So eventually I started a digital marketing company. It's called Second Try Media. We help create irresistible brands online. That's our little tagline. And we create content, do Facebook ads, everything that I figured out for my own uh, content that was creating passive income, I do for other businesses and help them sell. Um, So we've sold millions of dollars of products online. That led me toward working. So as an investor, I don't know how much you want me to get into this, but I invest in stocks, real estate, but I feel like there was a third leg that was missing. Both of those are great for like long-term, long holds, sit on assets, you know, like Apple ain't going anywhere. So like, why are you selling your Apple stock? Like, are you an idiot? Because historically there's never been a wrong time to buy Apple. It's always going up and to the right. And it's the same with real estate, right? Most times you just wait a little bit and it goes up and to the right. But there's, I wanted something that would cash flow. That means no matter what the market's doing, no matter what real estate's doing, I'm making monthly actual cash flow. Well, the best opportunity right now is to be able to sell online. Well, what are the two biggest uh, players in the online space? Amazon, I don't know if you've heard of it, or walmart.com. So I started working for a company helping to learn about this e-commerce space. And I did marketing and sales for them. That was it. Well, we eventually blew up their company so much that they no longer could take on clients. And so for me, I was like, well, that's not going to help me because I'm supposed to be your sales guy. And you're saying you don't want any more sales. So early this year, I, with their permission, branched off, started my own thing. It's called walmartautopilots.com. And all we do is we help create, manage, and run people's e-com stores, people that have no idea what they're doing. And we do it all customer support, returns, listing products, research, and we you, we leverage their credit card capital. So that's kind of my main focus right now. 
Awesome. So, so let's go into that because that's intriguing. And, you know, it is, uh, it does culminate kind of everything that we do here. I mean, buying assets is phenomenal, but the cash flow is really what sustains you long term, especially what we're going to go into here in a little bit is your idea of work optional. So, those two are obviously intertwined. Talk a little about the, uh, the stores that you're doing. So, right now, this pandemic has created so many more accounts on Amazon and Walmart. Like the boomers are now in. There's no more like, I'm not giving Amazon my credit card information, right? Like you've heard our parents say, don't put your credit card on the internet. Well, everything has changed. Everybody is subscribed to either a walmart.com or an amazon.com. They're buying stuff on Etsy, Pinterest, all. Look at those companies' stocks. Just go look at it. They're blowing up. And I'm like, okay, who are these people buying from? And I learned that like these companies, Amazon, Walmart particular, the two big, big dogs, they allow third party sellers on their platform, which means if you can get an account with them, they allow you to sell your products um, or other people's products um, online. And so I just was thinking long term, like is Amazon or Walmart going away during my lifetime? The answer is no, clearly. So why would I sit back and allow everybody to be buying from someone else? Why aren't they buying from me? If I could get 0.0001% of the sales, uh, someone's buying that stuff for me and I'm getting a cut of that sale, I want to be a part of it. To me, that was like the three-legged stool. Real estate, I had stocks, and then I needed e-commerce. And so for me, I've got an Amazon store and I've got a Walmart store. And then I have a team of virtual assistants, VAs that I hire that run my operations every day and help run our clients' operations every day as well. And their job is simply to list products based off the software that tells us Hey, this frying pan, we can list for $15 and still be competitive on Walmart, but we can go fulfill the same frying pan on Amazon for 10 bucks, right? And then we list a ton of products on your store, or there's a ton of products on my store, and we're constantly with our software repricing our our, uh, our items so that they'll be competitive and show up. And then, so for instance, if Nancy in Nebraska orders a frying pan on walmart.com, she pays 15 bucks. My employees go to Amazon and we purchase that frying pan for her. We pay 10 bucks plus shipping and all that we're left over with one or $2. And we're just doing that hundreds of times a day. Awesome. So for the people listening, you know, that are, are maybe younger, you know, and intrigued with this concept, they understand the power of it. Like what would it take for them to become affiliated with you? Well, not everybody is a good fit because in order for us to fulfill those sales, like let's say you had $20,000 worth of sales. How are you going to fulfill that? Well, the way we fulfill it is using your credit cards. That you, so a lot of people have good credit scores and they're sitting on a ton of other people's money, if you will, Visa, MasterCard, American Express. They're, they're willing to give you a lot of money per month as long as you pay it off at the end of that month. But you're not doing anything with it. So if you're sitting on 20000 north of 20000 in credit card capital, this would be a great investment opportunity for you because we can scale your store. And every time you get a sale, we're using your credit card. We're fulfilling those sales. And you're just making passive income off your credit card capital. So Walmart will pay you every two weeks. Once they pay you, you pay off your credit card and you're left with profit. And our company, we, we do a profit split model. So at the end of every month, we bill you on our portion 
of the profit since we're doing all the work. But uh, yeah, it's it's kind of amazing. It's just like for the clients that we have, literally all they're having to do is pay off their credit card every two weeks. Awesome. That's all the work that's expected of them? Yeah, that's all the work that's expected of them. We have a warehouse that I have in Texas and I have a team there that will deal with all the returns. So that's really all they're doing. They're not listing products. They're not fulfilling sales. They're not dealing with customer support. They're not dealing with returns. We're doing all of the work. So you were talking about passive income earlier, and that's about as passive as it gets. Now, why would someone want to go for that passive income and want to invest and do that kind of business? I don't know why they wouldn't. That's my answer. Is <laughs> everybody and their grandma should have a Walmart right. store or an Amazon store, but a lot of people can't because they just simply don't have the credit capital. But if you do, it's like, you know, we charge an upfront fee. Like our services for a year, it depends on the package you pick, but we charge 25000 upfront or 35000 upfront. The 25000 is a 60-40 commission split. So you get 60%, we get 40%. And then the $35,000 package, you keep 70% of the profits, we get 30. And it's not unrealistic for you to get all your initial feedback within six or seven months. You, you just got to make sure that the capital's there. And every client's different depending on what how, how much capital they have. Awesome. So let's uh, transition into kind of the whole concept of uh, work optional. It's something that you're very passionate about. You have a lot of creative ideas, whether it's with the stores, you know, just disruptors in general within every industry fascinate you. How does somebody go about getting to work optional and why is it so important from your perspective? When I was young, I remember sitting at the dinner table talking about money with my parents and it was always like, we don't have enough. And then we'd go out to eat once a week after church on Sundays, the waitress would come to the table and say, what can I get you to drink? And immediately I remember we'd look at mom and dad and they would say, what, what would they say? Water. Water. <laughs> right. <laughs> Young age, man. I started my money mentality and it was scarcity, scarcity, scarcity. Save, save, save. Right. And then I realized poor people talk about saving money. My parents, bless their hearts, but they had the scarcity mindset around money and that was indoctrinated in me. But they did something right. They, When I was young, they brought over some financial advisor and they told me about compound interest. And so I had a paper out for six years. I'd get off my bus and in school and go deliver my papers and I'd get paid like 40 bucks every two weeks. Well, I started buying one share of Apple, like just like little steps, man. And people go, oh, how did you get where you are? And I'm like, I drank water for a while. <laughs> and then <laughs> Taco Bell in high school, I ordered water. I got I didn't order the menu. I bought the dollar menu for years. Like I think about little things like that along the way. Now, obviously, like I don't I don't do that stuff, but it's about changing your mindset from like life doesn't have to be your nine to five. And it's just it's just the way it is like this. Well, some people are just born privileged. Like that's not the case. Stop making excuses. There's a million amazing opportunities to make income online. Your show shares about that all the time. But I just thought, felt like in my life, I could go work for the man, do a nine to five, make 50, 60,000, whatever, and have a decent life. But it would come at a cost. It's almost like, I hate to say it, but like if you have a W-2, it's a form of like imprisonment. Like you, you are controlled by somebody and they're rewarding you for letting them have a little bit of control in your life. They're keeping you coming back. They give you that little W-2 money. And I feel like 
the thing that keeps people back from their dreams the most is their addiction to a W-2 or their high need for approval from others, specifically mom and dad. If you can overcome those two things and take some risks, the other side is amazing. So I left full-time ministry. That was all I knew. I had a Bible degree. What am I going to do? Am I going to go be an engineer? What? What do you do with that, right? <laughs> and so I left. And for one year, I submitted myself to a guy who was willing to take me on. And he taught me sales. He was a sales trainer. This guy made a ton of money training other companies. And I was just, I just followed him around. I was in sales meetings. I learned how to talk business with people. And then from there, I launched my own business. In fact, I went into his office one day and said, bro, I don't want to quit, but I'm feeling like I kind of want to do my own thing. And But I don't know if I'm ready yet. I'm wondering like if you could help or if I should do it. And he said, congratulations, man, you're done here. What do you, I don't want to be done here, bro. He's like, no, no, no. That, that thought in your head, you got to go, you got to go figure it out. I'm like, no, 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 don't. I, I want to stay working here. Please, please. He's like, no, I like you too much, buddy. You're out. You're done. You're going to, you're going to make it. And I'm like, no, no, I don't. Wanna. And so he forced me and I started full time. And then it was like, okay, I got to go get clients. How do I do that? What, how do I learn Facebook ads? How do I learn how to talk to people? What's a messaging framework that works to get the attention of others? Like, I don't know. So for me, like, Passive income has honestly changed my life. I just bought like my dream home a few months ago that I'm in right now. I never thought I'd be able to afford it. And it's just like, it's all those little decisions of like going without for a little while. I still don't like splurge on stuff because I'd rather go put that money to work for me. Like I see every dollar that comes in. I probably live off like 10 or 20% of my income. And every, because I'm like, I don't want to live off anymore. Are you kidding me? Like I could go buy... This sounds so cocky, but for people that know me, like I can go buy whatever Lamborghini I want. I'll just go pay cash for it right now. I can go do that and then flex and put that on Instagram and be like, hey, look at me. But I feel like, what an idiot. You're such an idiot. That money could be put into work for you. Like you imagine if five months ago you took that money and put it in Bitcoin, you'd have two Lamborghinis today. You know, like, so I'm not advising people to buy a certain asset, Bitcoin, stocks, whatever. But it's just like, if you're in your 20s or 30s, it's your building phase. You should be taking all that extra money and getting it to work for you. I see money as employees. Those are my little employees. They should go work for me. So I tell my friends all the time, I don't live, don't live off your W-2, live off the profits that your W-2 money is making for you. So take all your money that you're making. Don't go spend it. That's what poor people do. Don't go save it. Put it in a checking account. People that save money, it's like they're sitting. I've heard the illustration. It's like a melting ice cube because your buying power continually goes down, right? You've got to go put your money to work. You've got stocks, you've got real estate, you've got e-com. Pick one, find something, Google, watch YouTube videos, figure it out, listen to your show, right? But there's a million ways to become educated. There's no more excuses. Well, I didn't go to school for that. Are you kidding me? Stop, like YouTube is your school. You don't need no four-year degree to do anything that I'm talking about. I still haven't read a book on marketing, yet I make more money in marketing. So stop with the excuses. It's just, there's a million opportunities out there. You just gotta take advantage of them. There was a video I was watching the other day. It was Kevin O'Leary. And he was saying that a salary is the drug they give you to give up on your dreams. Yes. Hitting the nail on the head of exactly what you're talking about right now. It's so true, man. It's so true. So uh, you're, what? What I admire about you both is you uh, you really enjoy disruptors. 
and disruptors in all sorts of industry. What what do you see? You know, you're very futuristic. What do you see 10 years from now, kind of the whole landscape of what we're talking about looking like? So I just got a VR last night. I got the Oculus Rift 2 because I want to be like, is this is this going to be a thing? I like follow religiously Elon Musk. Everything he touches turns to gold. So you can bet on the horse or the jockey. Most billionaires will say bet on the jockey. Uh, that guy, he just hasn't failed. And I look at what he taps into. I think all the announcements from GM, everybody, we're going to go electric by 2030. That's not just happening in the US, my friends. Europe just announced it everywhere. It's. I just talked to a guy. I live in like kind of Farmville. And the guy's like, I'll never buy an electric vehicle. Why? He's like, well, it's cold in Michigan. And I heard that the batteries aren't. And I'm just like, oh, my, another boomer, another guy who's he's a know-it-all. And he loves the past. He loves the internal combustion engine. He fell in love with the product instead of where the industries are going. And I look at, uh, so to me, it's about going, okay, what does the future look like? Like EV, 3D printing, like there's companies that are disrupting so much um, of how we work, like working from home, that culture. Oh, there's so many things. So I just am constantly ears to the ground, finding the industries that are going to be disruptors in the future, looking at who's on their team what are their ideas uh it's like crypto like fintech is definitely you know i i just opened up a bank account my local bank here in town it was the most archaic way of doing things it's done the banking industry will be completely disrupted this device right here has changed everything it's not going anywhere i'm just like you need to be a student of this device and I don't know what industry your listeners are in, but like, this is your warning call, like the internet, this, everything is changing. And if you're not adapting, you will die and it won't be anybody's fault because it's, it's the way humans have always progressed. It's natural evolution. It's where survival of the species, like that happens in tech. It happens in, in culture, like you have to adapt. And that's what I'm trying to do is be future minded and follow the thought leaders the industry leaders of our day and look at what they're excited about. What are they talking about? Right? So like Bitcoin, don't be so emotional about it. Don't be like, oh, that's stupid. Why is it stupid? Who told you it was stupid? Do you understand Bitcoin? Or are you just talking like that guy that's like, I don't want an EV because I live in Michigan. Does that guy know that Tesla's working on north of 500 mile battery range battery that yes, they test in cold climates? Like I just, some people, man, they just have their minds. They're so smart. They just know everything. But the wealthiest people I know, they're learners. They're constantly learning. Leaders are learners, right? And they're not so emotional. They don't, like I don't have my mind made up on it. I just want to collect all the data before I make my mind up about where to invest and where to pivot to. For sure. So let's go into that aspect of it, fintech in specific in, in cryptocurrency. I, I have some myself. You know, I sort of understand the disruption it's doing. But a lot of the questions that, that people are asking, and I'm sure you've thought a lot about is, is sort of mass adoption, what that looks like. You know, the, the whole premise of the origins of it was sort of a libertarian's approach to, uh, you know, keeping government's hands out of it. It seems like they spend a lot of time, you know, in, in New York at the Fed trying to figure out how they can get their hands into it. What does kind of the whole that whole industry look like to you going forward for people like us who our aspirations are to, you know, disrupt? and, and uh, you know, just look into the future. 
Well, I in no way pretend to be a cryptocurrency expert. I'm sort of just like you are, Brad, just kind of learning along the way. And I, and I watch a ton of content on it. Ethereum, Cardano, Bitcoin, just kind of the major players, the platforms that these other apps are built upon. And uh, so most of my, you know, I have in the six figures worth of cryptocurrencies just sitting there and I, and it's just parking like i'm not planning on i'm not a trader i'm not a day trader on those just buy and hold and again for all the boomers listening that are like oh bitcoin it went down five thousand like yeah but look historically buddy it's probably the number one asset class you could have ever invested and in my favorite my favorite line you have is that uh, you don't have a sell button i don't have a sell button my friend and and every time i see red i get excited because i get to buy the dips like like yesterday tesla and tesla was in the five hundreds i bought thirty thousand worth of tesla yesterday just an extra 30k why not because i understand the technology like are you kidding me what a discount it's beautiful i hope next week we have crash even more just buy more why because i don't need the money next week i'm not investing for five months from now i don't care what the price of anything is for a while like that's you know, but yet I'm in my DMs are filled with people like, man, do you think we should sell? And it's like, oh, my goodness, you know, but as far as um, I do like the idea of Bitcoin specifically, because there will only ever be 21 million Bitcoins. And if every millionaire in the world had one Bitcoin, there wouldn't be enough Bitcoin for each millionaire. Talking millionaires. Everybody's a millionaire. No big deal anymore. Right. But to think like, so I like the scarcity. And for me, Brad and Drew, a lot of guys don't talk about this, but I love the psychology behind Bitcoin, meaning like I read this stupid CNBC article this morning when I was in the shower. I know I bring my phone in the shower. Maybe you guys do that too. <laughs> I don't recommend it. But there's this article. And it's like the reason for the Tesla dip. And, and it says uh, one of the reasons why Tesla was down this past week is because of competition. <laughs> Perceived competition. What competition? Who's competing with them? Like, did you know anything about their advancement in autonomy, uh, their battery technology? They're the most vertically integrated company. Uh, they're, they just did a deal with nickel so that they could get into mining to produce their own battery. Like, they're, it's just stupid. So I don't know where I was going with that. But, oh, man, I, I feel like there's when people don't understand brands. Like there's Converse makes shoes, Skechers makes shoes, but Nike makes shoes. Guess what? Don't tell me there's competition because Converse and Skechers make shoes. No, no, no. What's up, everybody? Let's take a quick minute and talk about Rent Ready. Are you new to house hacking and wondering how you find tenants and collect rent, especially while trying to maintain professional boundaries and a shared living space? Rent Ready can help you manage your house hack setup. For less than $9 a month, you can do it all. Fill rooms quickly with sites like Facebook Marketplace and Craigslist with a free professionally designed listing page. Find high quality tenants with TransUnion certified background checks, electronically send, signed, and store leases, and collect rent for the entire lease or set up month to month charges. For your tenants, they use RentReady's app to complete the application, sign their lease, and pay you rent. They can even submit maintenance requests from the app instead of knocking on your door. Even better, Rent Ready is unlimited, so you don't have to pay per unit or per tenant. Just one flat price, which puts more money in your pocket. And speaking of putting more money in your pocket, Rent Ready has given our listeners a discount to get 50% off any Rent Ready plan when you sign up using our special code SUCCESS at RentReady.com. 
That's R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I.com using code SUCCESS for 50% off any Rent Ready plan. All right, let's get back to the episode. No, no, no. Nike isn't selling you on shoes. Have you ever seen a commercial from Nike where they even talk about their shoes? Right. They don't need to talk about their shoes. All they do is show LeBron James dunking a basketball and people go, if I'm going to be associated with that guy, I got to get a pair of Nikes. Right. And it's the same with Bitcoin and Tesla. You got these two cults happening. Once they got rid of Donald Trump on Twitter, Elon Musk became the godfather of Twitter. Whatever he says. So that's why you see Dogecoin. So my brother's like, hey, bro, last night he texted me. He's like, I just bought another hundred thousand dollars worth of Dogecoin. And obviously Dogecoin is this fake meme currency. Not fake. You can use it. The Dallas Mavericks, Mark Cuban, just said we're going to accept Dogecoin. The Las Vegas Knights, the hockey team, they're going to accept Dogecoin. What's going on with that? That's a marketing play. That's all that is because Dallas Mavericks and Las Vegas Knights know that they're going to get a bunch of press about them accepting Dogecoin. It's going to drive the cult. The people that love Elon Musk, they're going to go, the people that love Bitcoin, they're going to go, oh, we love Dallas Mavericks. We love Mark Cuban. Now we love, like, that's the psychology of what's happening. And so for me, as much as I love the technology and the scarcity of Bitcoin, it's an understanding of the psychology of what's happening. There is a generation that is embracing DeFi. We're resisting the government, resisting the man. And we love this. We love this thing where it's, we're in control of our own fate. Government's stupid. Don't tell me I'm a Republican or I'm a Democrat. I'm an independent like that. Okay. That is only going to get stronger and stronger. Nobody's like proud that they walk around going, I'm Republican or Democrat. We're done with that. We hate it. We're sick of the left and right and the cancel culture and all. It's the nobody's on Fox News, CNN going, this is great, isn't this? We're so sick of it. And that's not a political statement. It's we're over it all. And and I think for me, Brad and Drew, it's like when I when you understand like the power of brands from a marketing standpoint, Bitcoin, Tesla, Elon, all of these things, they're not going away. They are like first inning movers and their following, I, I think, is only going to expand and it's going to branch into different industries. But I'm following the jockey. Yeah. And understanding things from that perspective hopefully helps the listeners understand why you don't have a sell a button. And that's the thing that, you know, uh, for me, you know, in real estate and, and other assets like we're talking about, um, you know, I. I don't, I, I would never invest in something if I didn't understand that aspect of it, you know? And so the question, should we sell because, you know, Tesla has, has competition or should we sell because we heard that, you know, the Fed might, uh, you know, raise interest rates in real estate. Like those to me have no bearing on on the thought process of investing or not. You know, you, you have to have a larger horizon than that and you get that. And I think that's what compels me most about, about you and your investing approach. Bro, people think Elon Musk is so silly and stupid on Twitter. He's not acting like a CEO of major companies, right? I'm like, you guys need to stop judging him and become a student of him. What he's doing when he embraces Dogecoin, do you think he cares about Dogecoin as the richest man in the world? Do you think he's really trying to pump it so he can make more money? That's not what's going on. This guy knows that... He knows who the next generation of Tesla buyers are. He's getting a bunch of people to be passionate to buy a Tesla because daddy Elon made 
I have warm feelings about him. He, he he gets me. He likes the things I like. That's all he's doing. Who's the face of GM? Now, I, I'm, I know who it is because I live in Metro Detroit. Who's the face of Volkswagen? Who's the face of Buick? Who's the face of frickin' Buick? <laughs> that, that's, the, that's my question. Like, are you kidding me? Elon Musk is building a brand. He is Nike. And you either sign up and invest in Skechers and Converse because they make, they're the competition. Or you understand human psychology, cult-like followings, brands, marketing, and you ride that wave. You can hate him all you want. You can hate Tesla all you want. But I'm sorry, it's called the power of branding and, and Elon gets it. And his the stuff he tweets about, little anime stuff, like he knows the next generation of, he's into the gamer stuff. Like he knows how to sell Teslas and, and he's going to win. He will win. Yeah, so, uh, I saw, I don't know how long ago it was, maybe a couple of weeks, he jumps in on a Discord channel and it just explodes. He just jumped in on um, that new app. Uh, was it Clubhouse? Yeah, Clubhouse. Clubhouse. He doesn't need to be doing these things. So what's why is he doing it? Mm-hmm. Just ask yourself, why is he doing it? He's a master marketer. He's building a brand. He's he's making him and Tesla irresistible. You'd be stupid to buy another car. Are you kidding? You bought you bought a GM product? Ha ha ha, Ford. He's making it feel like all of that is boomers, Karens, right? You want to be associated with Karen and boomerism? No. You want to be the cool new kid. You want to buy a Tesla. That's what's happening. And you don't have to like it. Like th- that's the thing as an investor, I'm not emotional about this. I'm not, I don't have brand loyalty. Yeah, but you were born and raised in Metro Detroit and you should love the big three. Why? Why do I have to do why do I have to do that? Tell me. I thought I'm supposed to be a guy that's a smart investor. You know, I'm just trying to go where I, I know the money's about to flow. And there's still a ton of people that think Elon and Tesla are doomed to fall. And that's great. That's why it's still early to for me to, to buy buy into Tesla and I don't know why we're talking about Elon so much, but but it's the same thing about Bitcoin. It's the same thing about e-com. Like literally before the pandemic, I still dealt with adults that were like scared to buy stuff online. Right. That's just not the case anymore because now grandpa and grandma are like, maybe it's less risky to put our credit cards in than it is to go to Walmart and maybe get COVID. Right. And so, yeah. So talk to the the primary uh, basis audience is, is younger, uh, you know, whether they're just getting out of college or just getting out of high school or, or just, they're just they're in their 20s primarily um, or or just getting started in this whole investing community. What would your you know, there are a lot of options. We talked about a lot of things, a lot of disruptors. What would your approach to someone just getting into this game be like, what would you, what would your message be to them? I would find who, okay, you need to find like in yourself, like what, what would make you really, really happy. So purpose over profits. Right. And I know you right now you're young and you're like, I just need money, money, money. I get it. So go do your nine to five Uber eats driver, whatever you got to do those jobs to pay the bills, whatever, but figure out like, like what is your YouTube history look like? What are the things that fascinate you? What industry spaces are you like, man, that's really cool. That's really cool. Who are you following? listening to. So find out what that is and then find the local leader in your town, in your space or whatever, and hit them up like it's going out of style. Email, call, bug, not, don't be annoying, but just do everything you can to be, to get on their radar. Tell them, I want to work for you for free. I just want to attend meetings. I'll go get your coffee, whatever it takes. That to me would be what I would do. I got accepted to a private university after I got the rejection letter. I drove to Chicago for six hours, found the lady that signed my letter and said, my name is Jonathan Seller and I want to put a face with the name. I feel like there's a mistake. I should come to the school. 
cool. She said, thanks so much for coming. Have a nice day. Guess what? Two weeks later, she writes me a letter and says, you're now accepted. So everything in my life that I've wanted, I went and got it. I have no excuses. I'm exactly where I am based on my effort, based on my work. Like, is there a little luck involved? Maybe, I guess. But I look at it and go, for, for your young people, like, there's ways to, to play this game. And colleges are going to teach you, like, theory and textbook stuff. And you're going to learn some information. But the real world, world isn't always textbook. Sometimes you got to deploy, like, how humans interact with other humans. And, and like I said, if there's an industry or space you want to get in, find whoever that leader, that jockey, that mini Elon Musk, if you will, of that space and rub shoulders with that person, not to annoy them, not to get something from them, but how can you bring them value? Even if it's just, I just want to bring you coffee every day at 9am because I don't want you sitting in the drive-thru anymore. Can I do that? Like they'll be fascinated by you because they'll be like, all my employees are not this hungry. They've taken it for granted. You're interesting. Why are you so hungry? Why are you so passionate? What's your end goal? Um, so that's it. Like, I think that isn't emphasized enough. Like you have to find the gatekeepers that are in your industry, your space, get on their radar and and do it in a way that isn't annoying. But like, I, I want to provide tremendous value for you and your business. So I'd start there. No, for sure, man. We, uh, it's been a fascinating conversation. I totally agree. Um, not only, I, I love your approach from a marketing standpoint, um, you know, like branding, especially going forward, it's just going to, it's going to be all consuming. Um, and, and, you know, from your approach of, of, you know, mentorship, I mean, the person that kind of changed your life that you talked about earlier, that's so important. Um, yeah, it's I so incredibly for, important. I worked for him. I did stuff for him. I didn't want to do it for him. I just was like, but I was a student. And now a lot of that stuff that he taught me, I employ to this day. And it's it's invaluable to have mentors and people in your life that you can learn from. Um, it's a fast track forward. Like you can learn things on your own. I'm not saying you can't, but you want to go further faster. Submit yourself to a mentor, a leader in your space and 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 just be around them, be in their presence, go to those networking events that they go to, go to those meetings, sit in the back corner, ask, can I just sit in the meeting and observe and watch? That's an invaluable education. I would pay for that way more than I would a four-year degree. I think that's huh? way more valuable. The uh, mentor-apprenticeship like relationship and model like almost is non-existent now. Uh, you have to really, you know, understand that you have to seek it out. Like you had to re really hard to go find that uh, mentor. But um, you know what happened like back in the day before we were stuffing people like thirty people into a classroom, teaching them math or whatever um, things that aren't going to teach you how to make money or how to make a living. Uh, you were going to a mentor, you know, you'd go to like a blacksmith, he'd teach you how to be a blacksmith. That would be your vocation. Um, you'd always go and get that direct training to figure out your vocation. Exactly. And it's cool that like people are listening to this podcast and all that, but like this is very informational. But but that the next step is for you to like get on someone's radar and do the apprenticeship. Because listening to this podcast, to be clear, it can feel like this is an apprenticeship I'm learning and you are learning, but it's next level when you're rubbing shoulders with somebody, you're in their meeting. So for me, like if I wanted to be in the, do what Brad and Drew is doing and I'd want to just, okay, can I help you on your next flip? I'll show up, I'll do whatever it takes. I just want to learn that way. Like that would be invaluable rather than just funneling through YouTube videos on how to do this. And 100%, there's an emotional connection. I mean, that's, that was, uh, 
you know, your story exactly uh, what I did as well. I found a local mentor, um, and there's a there's a literal physical connection to when you do something versus reading it or, or watching it on YouTube. Um, it you know, it's or, almost indescribable. And then when you do, you know, specifically from real estate approach, once you actually get involved with it, and then you go back and watch that same YouTube video, there's a physical connection to that video that that you could never have had. I describe it as you you could read a thousand books, you'll never have that that physical connection to the transaction of real estate until you do that first one. It accelerates you that far. And then you go back and read those same thousand books. And, you know, it's almost like you read double the amount because you have that physical connection. Exactly. Um, I will say like another thing to your listeners to consider is to start now at a young age, building your brand. I know we hate the word brand and all that, but but when you build an audience and you create value on this device, on your phone, uh, it you become irresistible. And when you start reaching out to those people to try to add value, you already come with value because you bring an audience, you bring people that uh, are interested in the things you're saying and doing. And so for me, like if I reach out to somebody and say, hey, I want to get your attention on, you know, your advice on this, they're social proofing. Who is Jonathan? You know, who's this guy? What's he all about? And all that. They're going to do that to you one day, too. So why not now start building your your brand, your social proof, all of those things? It's it's almost like the new resume, right? 100%. So we're not talking about here's how to write a great resume in 2021. No, nobody's reading. Like I'm a business owner. I don't read the resume. I just go on Instagram. Instagram, Facebook, see what you post about. What are you about? Are you professional? Are you articulate? How do you present yourself? Um, all those soft skills are very, very important. And so um, don't ignore it. Like I get nobody likes social media. It's the necessary evil in all of our business and our biz dev, but uh, it, it's part of the game. And what the, the great thing is that eventually you don't have to do much of it anymore because you'll build enough of a reputation and a referral base that if you if you're sick of it and you delete the apps and your phone will still ring. Um, you know, obviously, I don't recommend doing that uh, if you're looking to grow, 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 grow. But for some people, they'll, they'll come a place where you're just content with where things are at. And like for me this year, that's kind of the first year where like I've turned I'm turning away business. And if you were to tell me that. Like even three years ago, I'd be like, are you kidding? Turn no way. I need the business. I want. <laughs> but now it's like, eh, I don't want to do that. Uh, here, talk to this person. And it's a it's an empowering place. But you got to grind it out, man. There, nothing is given to you in this life. It takes work. Um, and you got to. So I would say, yeah, finding that mentor, uh, doing everything you can to be around them and then uh, building a brand online. And you don't have to be amazing on video and, you know, be super articulate because what I found is like sometimes people don't even love those people. Like if people can resonate with your vibe and how you come across, you'll build enough. There's enough of you people that like you out there to get and build a business off of. Like you don't have to. There's wealth is an ocean. It's not a pond. There's so much of it out there. So stop with the like, well, there's like 50,000 other realtors in my town. That is how poor people think. There is one realtor in your town and it's you. That's all you have to think about. You don't have to follow all those other realtors. Just play your game. And I'm telling you, there's enough there's enough business in your town for you to have a real estate empire. So, yeah, hope that's helpful. No, for sure, John. And uh, I mean, that that's incredibly important because no matter what business you go into, that thought seems to creep up. You know, there's always somebody else. Um, but with the 
power of branding, especially in the, you know, there's, I don't think there's been a better time to start any sort of business than now. Um, because, you know, no matter if you want to start a construction business, no matter if you want to start something that, you know, was kind of a post, uh, you know, something from the past style business, um, the power of branding on social media allows you to supersede what somebody has built up over a couple of decades, you know, and, but that thought will come into your, your mind, no, no matter what business it is. Oh, but they do it better. Oh, but they've been doing it longer. Uh, I will, I won't be able to, you know, compete with them. But like you said, if you just realize that it's, it's not you versus them, it's you versus you and, and how big you can grow your brand how authentic you can relay that to your clientele. You can build it regardless. Yeah, and I used to make excuses like, well, I don't have enough money for an office space yet. And and think like, in order for me to start a digital marketing company, I had to have some storefront. I had to have like the most amazing website. and I had to have everything in place. No, you don't. Today's a different day. Like I used to be embarrassed when people would be like, so where's your office? I was like, well, like I kind of work from home. Now I'm like, I work from home. I say it with <laughs> the most confidence. It's beautiful. And I'm like, I just tell them boldly like, yep, I work from home. And uh, if you want to judge, that's fine. You yeah, have- it, it used to be a privilege to like work from home, you know, um, especially like if you're at a company and they let you work from home uh, and they assume that no work's getting done uh, where I work. People are working more because they're working from home. Your computer's there. You got your monitors and keyboard and mouse all set up. It takes two clicks to log in. I mean, you could end up sitting there all day and then lose complete track of time because you don't have to go home. And then, you know, with everything like, you know, you're talking about Walmart and Amazon. Um, There's a lot of companies shipping food out. Like, you don't even have to leave your house if you don't want to now. What do you think, Drew, about the commercial real estate space? Like, what do you think is going to happen post-COVID with all these office-type spaces? So what I see right now with the company that I'm working for, they're downsizing their office space significantly the office i work out of is going away like we're, we've been told to go clean up um they're getting out of that lease i i think they're ending it early i don't know how that was structured but i'm basically going to be permanent work from home i live two hours from the headquarters but wow. even the headquarters they're cutting in half and anyone who can work with an internet connection they're saying to work from home um you know the plant workers obviously have to go in and go to the plants but um from my perspective uh office space is probably going to go down quite a lot so what do you think will happen with those buildings like somebody owns those buildings right yeah somebody owns them um i think something else would probably take their place right um we're looking at a world where basically amazon needs to have warehouses local in the state so they can ship faster and you know their goal isn't going to be to keep two-day shipping amazon's goal is probably going to make it 12-hour shipping like you know that could be a a possibility in 10 years, um, they're going to try and ship things to you as fast as possible. And I think there's going to always be that competition of like Walmart, Amazon, whoever, whoever can get you the product the fastest is probably going to be whoever makes the most sales. Uh, right. So what re- that requires a lot of storage space, uh, local storage space. So a lot of these buildings that uh, might be shutting down are just going to be replaced and turned into storage. That's how I would see it at least. And then even like food, you see, um, what are these companies? I've been seeing the commercials where they like meal prep for you and they ship the food to you in a cooler and stuff like that. I think things like that is a very strong possibility too, where there's like local, like giant kitchens that kind of mass produce uh, cooked meals and they ship them to you and the food's fresh. So things like that are going to replace the, that space. These buildings are laid out are very like office right? Floors yeah. and vehicles and things like that. I don't know if that That's would true. make a great fulfillment center. And I guess it makes more sense for like, like, you know, with Toys R Us, when they went out of business, all that space, you know, yeah. the open warehouse space. Yeah. Well, makes I more sense. 
yeah, I guess yeah. that happening. But it's it's just gonna be curious to see what those empty buildings, uh, if if that lasts forever or they get refilled with employees one day. Other companies want to work like if we do a cycle where like this work from home thing lasts for a decade and then it's like we have office spaces. Oh, it's so much cooler. Yeah. You know, it'll be interesting. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly value of like being near uh, your coworkers too and people being in the same building. So there, there's value to both sides. Yeah, I, I just don't. I'm not in the space where I would be motivated to buy some office building right now. Yeah, no, that, that seems like a pretty big risk right now. Certainly. <laughs> right. I was actually one of my friends uh, started some restaurants here in Michigan. I'll give him a shout out. It's Dahlenberger's and uh, he's got a couple already. But we were looking at as an investor going in on one right outside of U of M campus. And this was like right during COVID in now I, we didn't we never pulled the trigger on it now i'm kind of thankful just because i don't know even if the universities u of m like is what is the education system going to look like going forward is there enough people that are buying into the idea of going in debt for four years living on a university campus i don't know like i think there'll always be enough you know especially mm -hmm. kids and their parents are paying the tuition or whatever and they get to go live with their friends for four years and party it up and you know that there'll be enough of them i guess but a lot of these mini university schools, I don't know if they'll survive this. I think things are going to kind of shift and follow more of like a trade school kind of model, depending mm -hmm. on the industry. But, you know, me working in IT, I actually dropped out of college um, and I ended up getting a pretty good technology job. And the reason was, is I didn't just drop out of college and end my education. Uh, college felt like a massive waste of money to me. And I wasn't learning the things that I wanted to learn. And the technology education that I was getting was not as modern as it should have been. And then technology is actually actually um, a trade in itself of like, I specialize in a couple very specific systems. I'm not just like, I know everything about computers. Like no one really knows everything about technology. You know, I became a sysadmin in very specific things. I took courses on it and I got certifications and those are what uh, my credibility is. So that college degree isn't really necessary because it's a, it shows that I know everything about this system that I work in. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, Google and Amazon will start going into the education space and starting to offer certifications and degrees, whatever the word is going to be, uh, and then funnel them into their system and guarantee them a six-figure job upon graduation. It's going to become irresistible. Other schools aren't going to be able to compete. It's all happening. Yeah. yeah, Google's putting out a lot of educational yeah. content on their, you know, all their cloud software and stuff like that. Amazon's doing the same thing. Um, all the vendors, you know, all the companies have certification programs created by the company. So the number two companies engineers want to work at when upon graduation is SpaceX and Tesla. Yeah, I believe that Elon will continue to do everything he can to incentivize talent from around the world to come mm -hmm. for those two companies. Uh, and I think part of it will be, why don't we go after them even when they're younger and provide them an education? So we'll beat the competition mm -hmm. for years. We'll go after the, the 15 year old and uh, offer him some sweet online education. And then after upon graduation, give him stock options, give him a place to live in California or whatever. Like, it's just all of that I can see happening um, because Elon and those companies know that the way to stay competitive 
and to stay out front is you've got to get the best of the best talent, the most innovative people that are hardworking. And then, and you've got to uh, get them early. Yeah. I mean, think about this too. Like what happens when everybody knows how to write code? Mm -hmm. What happens when that is a school standard and kids are learning how to write code at five years old? Like when that generation rises and I don't know um, how much it's offered in school right now, but I don't think it's a ton. And if you have everyone in the world, you know, one thing is 50% of the people are connected to the internet in the world. So SpaceX is going to come out, you know, they're going to provide satellite internet. We're going to double the amount of people that have access to the internet. And then eventually almost everybody in the world is going to, at some point, be learning how to write code. Think about how fast technology is going to move then and how much, if we think it's moving fast now, it's not even going to compare. That's why I think these stimulus checks are just a precursor of how governments are going to function is, you know, there'll be a class of people that are living. It won't be... Um, just unemployment it will just be a way of life where if you do certain things and have good citizen standing you'll make this much per year and there'll be enough people that are just like that's a comfortable life let's do that <laughs> they'll live in their vr goggles and play games yeah. throughout the day and uh so, i don't know so you think like a universal income is I inevitable i don't think it'll be universal i think it'll be an option and okay. it'll, it'll be an enticing option for the lazy mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, but eventually, like the cost of goods, everything's coming down. Like you look at the brand new Corvette C8 Z06, it's a it's a microcosm of like eventually, like that car can compete with the Bugattis, the multi million dollar cars, you know, McLarens, Lamborghinis, and yet they're starting at like seventy thousand dollars. Well, eventually, same with Tesla, like zero to sixty in two seconds is that's as good as we're gonna get. It's not so we're starting to hit caps on things that you and I, when we were young, a Mustang five liter was like, oh, it's so cool. Zero to sixty in seven seconds. Wow, you know, it can never get faster than that. Well, now it's really like, all right, like nobody's upgrading their phone every time because it's sort of like it, the thing's fine. Uh, and we're starting to see technology uh, not peak. Like you know, I can imagine five G internet being better. I can imagine VR and AR glasses and things automation. like automation, automation, AI, all of that. Like, you know, she, I can't say her name cause she'll wake up, but like she provides me answers to my questions. But like when I'm like out of bed and I just say, brew me coffee and turn this, like turn the shower oh. off, <laughs> it's all coming. We can see that world. It's just a matter of, of ma- matter of time, but self-driving cars, like, you know, take me to Austin, Texas. And I don't and I can sleep in the car and I'm not even worried. Elon just did an interview about the he's like, even if they did get in an accident, their airbag technology at Tesla is the most innovative out of every car industry. He's like, we can tell where you're positioned in the seat. If you're leaning more to the left in your body weight, we can tell how much you weigh. We can tell and we'll deploy the airbag in such a way that it optimizes the response. Like just yeah. Stupid that, stuff. That, that's really interesting because I feel like with a Tesla car, especially when they get into like self-driving, there's going to be way more backlash if an accident happens than yeah, but, uh, but now. All he has to say is, okay, let's do an EV study, compare mm-hmm. self-autonomous to regular human drivers. Let's do that study. Let's do the comparison and see uh, what's safer. And then it'll just be math where people will go, wow, actually, technically, safer. Safer. Yeah. it's safer to put my car on self-driving than it is for. And then once it'd be like, like we say it today, it's safer to get in an airplane than it is to drive to Meyer to go buy my groceries. That's just true. The likelihood mm-hmm. is 
lightning striking. Is it going to happen once in a while? It is. But we'll eventually be like, yeah, it's worth the risk reward for me to uh, have privacy and not be scared of getting COVID in an airplane and me getting in my self-driving car with my Netflix screen and uh, fall asleep and be comfortable and, and, and travel wherever we want to go, you know? Yeah. So we didn't get to touch on it too much earlier, but you mentioned you got a VR headset just to kind of see where that's going to go. And, um, you know, I have some predictions of like where that could go with real estate. I mean, one, like that's going to provide you some like really cool walkthroughs of properties and so on. But yeah, I invested um, heavily in Matterport. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, their, their technology is amazing. Um, they're, they're getting eaten up by like a SPAC. Uh, that company I bought because um, I watched an interview with their CEO last week. And uh, yeah, you'll be able to use your phone. And But that whole device will be fun. Like going on to realtor.com and VR will be great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Where, where do you think that's headed though? I mean, have you seen the, um, what was that I, movie? Ready player one? I haven't. I need to go watch. I'm going to watch yeah, that. You should check that out. I, I think like sci-fi movies are like the best predictors at like what technology yeah. we're going to have in 10 years or so on. Like I, you can go back and look at some old movies and we have that technology now, but, um, ready player one, like basically their whole life is VR. They make their living inside this VR world and it, that's all it is like that's that, the real world that's why i'm not dismissing nfts you've heard mm-hmm. of NFTs, like non-fungible yeah. tokens where you're buying these digital pieces of art yeah. and people are like that's stupid what you can't even do anything with it you know and it's like well one day when you're spending most of your time in vr and you invite someone to your vr home and they see the nft by mm-hmm. certain artists or that michael jordan dunk that you own that's your flex that's sure. the way that you flex online and show people look at my real estate and your digital real estate sometimes might matter a little bit more than your physical real estate everything's flipping and you don't have to like it you just have to be a student of human psychology and see like that's where we're going so you'll have a guy living in a trailer who online is like he's got the most beautiful place and that's his heaven that's his outlet he's now living in a world that he never thought he could have for himself but i think one of the drivers i've said this on my social for mass VR adoption, I just think it's a big marketing campaign by Tinder or Bumble that says, this is the new way of meeting singles in your area. It creates a real life avatar. And now instead of going to the local bar and having to order a drink for $10, oh, I can't afford that. And having to sit in some smoky bar and look over and try to be awkward with a girl. Now it's all digital, safety of my own home, uh, immediate release if I just feel awkward, lift the head fit up. What all of that is for sure coming and these guys are developing the software, they're making it perfect, but there's so much money to be made in the dating online space. And obviously I would say, not to be graphic, but I think the rise of the internet began with pornography. And I think uh, VR pornography will be a mass driver as well. Guys will be able to um, fantasize and experience uh, the most closest thing to being with someone that they would have no access to. It's going to happen. I think the biggest hurdle right now with VR is just the tech, like, uh, like I have the Quest 2, it's it's not the best graphics yet, the, you know, and it's also heavy. I felt tired after using it. I felt like, oh, this isn't pleasurable. I be, so I think eventually when they slim them down and it becomes more, you know, it, and there's more software develop, developers that get into the space because they see the money in it. But I think 
Like I said, I just have a feeling there's going to be, um, if one of the big players gets into it, like a Tinder, Bumble, or something, or Apple gets into this game and creates content for VR that is just amazing, you know, who knows? But I again, I, I could see, I do see why Tim Cook is emphasizing augmented reality a little bit more than VR. And after, because I spent a couple hours in it, and I was like, yeah, this, it feels a little like, I'm so out of this world and it feels tired and it's heavy. And, but like, as far as the workout place, like, dude, I bought it. The reason I bought the VR is because I want to do cardio inside. I don't want to drive to my gym. I have a Planet Fitness membership, but I just don't want to, I never use it. I never drive there. <laughs> but if I can walk upstairs, put a VR glass on and be like, and go live, let's say Peloton 2.0 is me on a bike, but I'm like biking at the Grand Canyon around the trails and my bike is moving and like or i'm i meet my virtual trainer and she's like good morning jonathan how are you and she's standing right there and she's in my living room she's like all right let's do let's start with your push-ups let's go i mean i'm with her and she's with me it feels like she's right in the room um all of that the workout space is going to be incredible i bought it so that i could do boxing um and i'm going to you know, start my boxing regimen and it's making workout fun. You know, I'm getting my cardio in, but I'm doing it with playing a game and seeing if I can beat my score. And that's where all that's going. So it's not a matter of if it's just a matter mm -hmm. of, I think you're right about augmented reality too. I think they're both going to, you know, grow. It's not going to be one or the other. It's going to depend on like what kind of world you're in, so to speak. Like, are you, are you plugged into VR? Uh, well then obviously you're not using augmented reality, but then when you're not in your VR world, you're going to have have, you know, like Microsoft HoloLens, have you seen those? They're really cool. There's definitely a lot of like improvements to be made and they're more fo focused on like the enterprise and like corporate world and stuff like that because it's Microsoft. But, you know, it shows stuff like having like seven computer screens up, but they're not actually there. You know, they're yeah. displayed on the glasses and, well, you know, like what we're doing right now, like it's very 2D, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's and, very digital. Uh, and think about Zoom. Like if Zoom is Zoom is probably working on Zoom VR where you're doing our actual VR meeting oh, and sure. around yeah. the table and, and it's just going to be a different feel it'll feel more real it'll feel more like we're there i can look over at the different people talking it, so yeah I, i'm 100 percent bullish on all of that it's just i love and i love that apple never tries to be the first mover like they don't want to release the oculus rift 2 because they'd be like no it's the it's visually not perfect yet like it the the quality of graphics isn't there we're not ready and so I read like they're waiting to do two 8K lenses. I think once they create a device, it'll put like its stamp of approval on the industry that like this is going to be a new thing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, all the diehard Apple fans will so certainly buy. pick that up. And it'll be a flex to have one, just like mm -hmm. when they released their $500 headphones. <laughs> like, people are like, why would they make them $500? I'm like, because they're not selling headphones, they're selling status. Exactly. That's all. It's when I have my headphones on that are 500 bucks, you know, you think that I must be making it. I must be successful because look, he has the Apple headphones. It, that That's it. It's just a game. Yeah. So John, I love sitting here talking about technology. I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge geek and I love to, you know, speculate yeah. on what's going to happen in the future. Yeah. Um, but since we're a real estate show, um, what kind of predictions do you have that is going to happen in real estate? H how do you think that technology is going to impact real estate in the future? So we mentioned Matterport, the way I go online and view properties is going to change. Looking at photos is going to feel so archaic when I can step foot visually in the property with my VR lens. 
I think that is going to become very exciting. I think real estate agents showing homes is going to be different than them getting in a car, driving to a property and dealing with uh, going and looking at 18 properties over the course of three weeks. Are you kidding me? We'll do that in 20 minutes online. Um, that's going to change. I think the cost of housing, uh, I think it'll still continue to go up, but it can't continue to peak to the point where millennials and others um can't afford a home. So the way we do financing might have to change. Um, but you know, if you real estate just can't go straight up like that without because then no one can afford that the property. Sure. So there might need to be a little bit of a correction. I don't I'm not anticipating a major correction until they start running up interest rates. And Jerome Powell's already said, like, not at least until 2024 uh, are they gonna are they gonna deal with that. So I think around then you could see a little bit of a, a correction and but I don't know. I, I I'm still bullish on real estate because people will always need to even with VR and self-driving, people will always value where they spend their time. And I'd be but I'd be buying like I want to buy nice areas, uh properties that are high desirability. Like I bought property here. It's five and a half acres. It's got a pole barn, overlooks a big pond. You got trails in the back. Well, I'm in Clio, Michigan. If you Google Clio, Michigan school system, you're going to be like, why did he buy a school there? You know why I did? Because I don't think the freaking school system is going to matter in 20 years when I sell this <laughs> stuff because everything in education is going to flip. The people that buy my home, their kids aren't going to go to the Clio school system. They're either going to do their little VR universal education that's put together yeah. by the top executives in this book, or they're going to do private schooling or whatever. So for me, I bought property based on high desirability. Will human beings always want to live on water? Will they want privacy? Will they want visual stimulus? And so that's that's the stuff I'd be interested in, not just like, you know, buying the cheapest house in the nicest neighborhood. And it's like, those are important tactics, but yeah. 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 And, and if you look at it like further out too, and if VR does become our, you know, real world in a sense, the amount of space you're going to need isn't going to be nearly as big. You know what? Even in the design of homes, I think there'll be a uh, VR rooms. I yeah. think it'll be like a new thing. It'll big be like spaces. A VR room. Yeah. Just a big, big family's VR room. <laughs> yeah. It'll be We'll, we'll read that one day and we'll remember this conversation, Drew. Um, but I but I don't think like I'm not as crazy maybe as you are thinking that VR will replace this reality. Um, I don't I don't think so. I just because human psychology, we still love physical connection. Mm -hmm. um, there's nothing like being in the presence of another human being. And I know that there's people in Silicon Valley that hear me talking like that and they think, oh, what a boomer. He sounds like a boomer. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't think so, man. I think I think for a period of time, there'll be a curiosity where we're all like, this is so cool. And, you know, but the fascination will eventually die down and humans will always long to be in the presence of one another in a physical sense. So it doesn't mean it'd be like me saying, therefore, this doesn't matter. This is all fake. Instagram is my version of myself in a digital format. But Instagram is nonetheless an extension of Jonathan Seller. It is an extent. It is now a real part of who he is. And it's the same with your online reality and your your real estate empire and digital world. Because you'll be able to sell real. Like I, in my mind, I'm like, one day Kim Kardashian is going to announce that she is building a development on X platform and she has a hundred lots available that you can live in her community and she's selling each lot for a million dollars and guess what 
She's going to sell $100 million homes in 24 hours. And you're going to buy that real estate property because what a flex to say, I live in Kardashian estates. And then when you walk into your house, you see all the NFTs that you purchased. Yeah. And you get, to, you get to invite friends over in VR. And then Kim Kardashian offers you exclusive meet and greets in VR and blah, blah, blah. And it's going to be this like... Um, as much as we care about owning the physical Michael Jordan rookie card, um, you'll care a little bit more about owning a digital space that you can flex to your friends. The same reason we post photos on Instagram is to get people to like us. Wait till it's it's in a digital uh, <laughs> real estate empire online. Yeah, I think that's what like you, you're talking about the NFTs. Um, there's a huge boom of like baseball trading card, uh, you know, baseball cards being traded, Pokemon cards being traded and stuff like that. And people wanting to collect. And that boom is probably going to become, you know, digital, too. And NFTs is the first indication of that. Yeah, I'm not. So for me, I wouldn't be an investor right now in Pokemon or in cards. Uh, I think they're I think they're at their peak right now, in my opinion, mass because once you and I are starting to talk about it, it's like, oh, now's the time to sell because it's it's obviously gotten mass hysteria and all that. And I don't want to buy at this point. I want to buy when nobody's talking about it, but knowing it'll come back. And so those things, yeah, I, there's so many asset classes now that you can invest in. I think NFTs are obviously first inning, but we don't know what NFTs are actually going to be of value. So I'd rather wait for the dust to shake out because like me and my friend are working on a Dogecoin NFT, but we're doing it as a marketing play. So like, this is just something silly I'm doing. I'm like, watch how quick, watch how easy it is to make six figures online. That's what he's a dentist. He wants freedom. And so I said, here's what, here's what I want. Here's what we're going to do. You're going to go on Fiverr. You're going to pay a designer. And they're going to design you some sweet Dogecoin type <laughs> t-shirt okay sure. then on the sleeve you're gonna put a dogecoin um like barcode where people can put their phone what are the qv what a qr code yeah yeah we're gonna get that we're, we're only gonna sell a hundred t-shirts but we're gonna sell them um or no we're gonna sell a thousand t-shirts at a hundred bucks a piece and but the thing is nobody's gonna spend a hundred bucks for a t-shirt so we're not gonna market the t-shirt we're gonna sell them a dogecoin nft made by this artist and then we're gonna create an instagram profile and add a bunch of followers create what it's just all stupid marketing but people will be like oh i'm buying an nf my first nft for a hundred dollars it's dogecoin and everybody did so cool and i get that cool t-shirt so when i wear it people will know he's an insider he knows what's up he's woke. <laughs> and so he's, he's woke. working on all that right now it's just some stupid idea but it's my point is like there's one idea where you could literally can you find a thousand people to spend a hundred bucks on that you can and guess what You'll have a hundred thousand bucks minus the cost of the t-shirts. And guess what? We don't even need to print the t-shirts. We set up an account with teespring.com. They do all the fulfillment of the sales. We yeah. upload the design. It's just little stupid stuff like that, man. It's cool. Amazing world we live in. So um, <laughs> we uh, usually wrap this up with a few questions, like closing okay. questions. Um, the first one's usually centered around house hacking. like, And you know, you can center around this like around success or however you want to uh, frame it. But it's usually like what separates, you know, the people that go out and house hack and actually succeed doing it versus those who kind of just sit around and wait 
and don't actually take the action. You have to, like, if the goal is money, it's you haven't thought far enough. You've got to attach the outcome to some sort of inner purpose or goal that you have. Maybe it's to take my family to Disney World on this date. Whatever it is that you're thinking, like, I want to accomplish this in my life. Like, then you reverse engineer it and go, well, what would it take to get there? How much really are we talking? And I would get down to, like, how much is that stuff that you're wanting? Like, what does it take? Because I I see money as a problem that just needs to be solved. You have a money problem. You don't have enough of it. So how much of it do you need? And then how do you get it? Where do you get it? How would you go about doing that? And it's just like reverse engineering. But if you don't start with that goal in your mind, then you'll fade out because you'll just be like, ah, oh, this is too much. I don't want to do it because your goal is too vague. I'm not like a big storyboarder, but I know that helps for people. To, but to visualize like, where do you want to live? What does that life look like? What? How much is, is sitting in your bank account? What car are you driving? What are you doing? You know, do you want to have a hundred bucks extra every week so you can be in the Starbucks line buying someone else's coffee and not even thinking about it? Like, what does your life look like? Go, go detail it out. Write all that crap out on a piece of paper. Then now you've got this visual world. This is what my world is going to look like. Start talking that way. And then these are the reverse steps to get there because the people who fade out because they haven't clearly defined what their vision is of what life's going to look like. And when the going gets tough, they're done. But for someone that's like driven by people and faces and specific things that they know they want to accomplish in their life, I think. I think that helps separate the people that start something and then those that actually accomplish and finish it. Yeah, I love that. Do you have any like business books that you would recommend to someone or it could be any business resource in general? It could be a podcast website. Um, what's your number one business resource? I love listening to How I Built This by Guy Raz as a podcast. I tend to learn a little bit more from uh, audio or video. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I learn a ton from these CEOs as they tell their story. Um, so the CEO of Chipotle, he started Chipotle as a way to cash flow his real passion, which was to start some highfalutin restaurant. Well, Chipotle took off and he accidentally became unbelievable billionaire, right? <laughs> it's just like learning his story, but learning like Guy Raz has a great way of interviewing and asking them the specifics. So that's a great podcast. I think my daily intake for finances, market, uh, I learn a lot from a YouTube channel called uh, at Meet Kevin. Meet Kevin. And uh, he's just a guy who's constantly, he's one of the fastest growing YouTube channels, talks about stocks, real estate, talks about investing, uh, crypto. And he's just a very well-rounded guy. He works super hard. He knows his stuff. He's not trying to like make a buck off his audience. Uh, although like that's his job. Um, he's a you know full-time YouTuber. So I think those would be the two places. Uh, that's what I recommend to people is, you know, if, for you, if you're a YouTube person, check out Meet Kevin. If you're a podcast podcast person, check out how I built this. Um, as far as books, what is it? Uh, the rich dad, poor dad. I mean, everybody, oh, said, yeah. you know, staple, but I'm serious. Like, I don't know if you haven't started there, start there. That's a, obviously people resonated <laughs> with that for years. It's so true. I mean, that book's so huge. I, I remember just like being completely broke and literally Googling, like, why are people rich? Like, obviously these get rich things don't work. Like this get rich quick schemes don't work. Like, why are people rich? Like, why 
are people millionaires and I can't seem to make any money. And Rich Dad Poor Dad was like the yeah. top result that I got. And that was the book I ended up reading that kind of started this whole journey for me. So, I mean, everyone mind. says it, but it's so true. It changes your mindset and it helps you mm-hmm. learn the difference between a liability and an asset and how to like make your money work for you. Yeah. Like, so when people go, how many employees do you have? I go like, well, how many, how many dollars do I have? Every dollar I have as an employee, it's going to make me another dollar. It, they're all working for me. All of them. They're all, all over the place. They're in Matterport. They're in Tesla. They're in Apple. I own a portion <laughs> of all those little companies. And then the house I live in, it's making me money. Yeah, I pay a mortgage, but I'm paying myself. I'm paying my future self. So yeah, when you start thinking that way, and then if I go buy, like I have a four wheeler and I have dirt bikes, and I've got stuff and I go, oh, should you have those? Well, as long as those things were bought with the profits that my money has made me, I didn't buy that with my money from my paychecks. I invested my paychecks, lived off 10, 20%. And then whatever that money made me, now that I give myself permission to use that money to live my life and enjoy my life. But the principle is still in the market. My All my principle, when I was 16 buying Apple stock, that Apple stock is still working for me. Yeah. Okay, I haven't sold it. My sell button is broken. <laughs> I love that phrase. Uh, so, what about a um, real estate resource? Man, a real estate resource? I don't. I don't know. I, there isn't one that I really uh, am religious on. I, I. I don't. I don't really have one. I. Yeah, I mean, no worries. I would. I would say listen to you guys you know? <laughs> thank you yeah no worries before we go john can you tell your listeners or can you tell our listeners where they can learn more about you uh we're gonna put links in the description so they can go look you up uh they can check out your walmart autopilot business and everything like that but where would you like people to go yeah so if you're interested in having a done for you e-commerce store and you don't know anything about the space then you can check out our videos at walmartautopilots.com. If you want to follow along the journey and interact and become a friend, I'm happy to connect with you at Jonathan Seller. And my last name is just like what how it sounds, Seller, S-E-L-L-E-R. So let's connect. I'm mostly on Instagram and uh, yeah. Happy to meet your listeners. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on, John. That was a very entertaining episode. It was nice to change things up a little bit. And uh, I enjoyed geeking out about the technology. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. All right. Have a great day. All right, man. Thank you.